the Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh and the iHeartRadio app. This is the Adam Crowley Show coming to you live and in Technicolor. On the video scoop if we had one, but we don't. At Terrace on the 5th. Follow on Twitter at Terrace underscore on underscore 5th. By the way, come down here. We got, what, two hours before the opening face-off? What better place is there than right across the street from PPG Paints Arena to get $3.50 drafts of Bud Light or $4 aluminum pints of Bud Light? And if you were here right now, as some people are, you'd hear me talking to one of the finest beat reporters in the land, Jonathan Bomboli of the Tribune Review. Follow him on the Twitter machine, at Bomboli Trib. Welcome, Jonathan. How are you? Good. How's it going there, Rob? It's going great because I have breaking news, and I want you to comment on this because a hockey expert of your pedigree certainly can shine a light on this news The owner of the Carolina Hurricanes has said that the Hurricanes are considering an alternate jersey of the Hartford Whalers because it is part of their legacy. Jonathan, the floor is yours. Well, we have to separate two issues here. The first issue is the jerseys, which I'm against. I mean, that seems like it's a... a thumb in the eyes of the people of Hartford more than anything. Um, but the second part of the issue is I'm all for brass bonanza. The more brass bonanza, the better. Right, because so that's what them... this means. They can play the brass bonanza when they wear those jerseys. Well, why'd they give up brass bonanza when they moved to Carolina? That was a big mistake. I, I agree, Jonathan. Jonathan, look, I know you and I differ on this jersey thing. You don't care. I'm a big fan of I it. But, but if it means the return of brass bonanza, can we not find a common ground? In this world, Jonathan, when there is so much divisiveness, can the return of brass bonanza not be that that unifies our great country? Yeah, sure. What do I care about the people in Hartford? They can get a thumb in the eye if they want. It's their problem. Oh, Jonathan, I love you. I love your cynicism, because sometimes it even brings out the, uh, the happiness in me. All right, Jonathan Bomboli of the Trib. Follow him at Bomboli Trib. Jonathan, we got Matt Murray in net tonight. Uh, interesting challenge for Matt Murray, uh, coming back against a team that uh, plays the way the San Jose Sharks do, the way they like to generate offense. Uh, I've always thought Matt Murray, when he's on his game, is as good as I've ever seen it tracking the puck. would seem like... This would be a good opponent to jump into that fire because you're going to have to track pucks through traffic against San Jose if San Jose has the puck, right? Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's a big part of the battle against San Jose is to try to keep that front of the net clean because um, they're going to generate a lot of the offense from the blue line. And if they get their you know big forwards getting in Matt Murray's eyes, that's going to be a problem. Um, I, I'm of the opinion that getting Matt Murray going is pretty important. I mean, I know um, it hasn't really been a hot burner issue. Hot burner issue. Um, I think I just made that up. Front burner issue um, because Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith came in and unexpectedly played so great. But to me, down the stretch, you're going to need Matt Murray. I mean, he's the guy, and 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 he's been really good down the stretch the last two years. So getting him sort of up and running and on his seat is a critical thing. And you know, it doesn't have to happen tonight, but it does have to happen for this. Jonathan, I think that's also important for this reason. You know, he still has to go. He still, he's been the guy, but he hasn't been the guy who's needed to sort of 
play himself into a rhythm down the stretch after, uh, I don't want to say Matt Murray's been bad this year because he hasn't, but he he can play better, I think, is a fair assessment. And he's the number one goalie now. There's not an experienced man behind him. Um, and the Penguins need the Matt Murray that we know exists, who we've seen in the postseason the last two years, if they're going to pull off uh, another run. So I think it is important that he not only play and play well, but I think it's it's just working himself into that rhythm over this second half. Well, and it's going to be a different style of play in front of him, which is interesting. I mean, he hasn't played really. His last start was January fourth. Yeah. So, and the Penguins really didn't get their act together until January fifth. Actually, the very next night against the Islanders, that was the first night um, where they started playing this up-tempo, aggressive style that you know won them a cup two years ago. So he's going to face fewer chances um, than he's used to because this style of Penguins hockey has the puck more. Right. But he's going to face more difficult chances because when you're on your toes and things go awry and somebody makes a bad decision, you're facing odd man rushes. So less shots but more high-quality shots is probably what Matt Murray's going to see. And that's what he saw in the playoffs in 16, and he's perfectly capable of handling that role. Um, but it'll be an adjustment. And then if he does it well, he reaps the rewards of the team playing a lot better than it did in, in November and December. You know, he gets the wins, and he, and he starts to improve those numbers. So it's, it's impossible to completely untie a goaltender's performance from a team's performance. I mean, you know, it's, you just can't separate them entirely. Um, so it, it stands to reason, then, that with the team playing better, um, you could very easily expect Murray to, to sort of improve uh, in this stretch compared to his last stretch. Talking with Jonathan Momboli here on ESPN Pittsburgh. This is the Adam Crowley Show. I'm Rob Rossi filling in for Adam. We're coming to you live from Terrace on the 5th. Jonathan, uh, when you think about Matt Murray, I think sometimes the easiest thing to forget is he's going through a lot of things for the first time. And you can be the most uh, above-grade, mature you know, beyond your years, successful guy. When you're going through some of this stuff for the first time, you just have to kind of go through it. And I think it's easy to forget how much this guy hasn't experienced because of all the success he's had. Um, Do you feel that way about him? Because I know you have always thought he's ready ahead of time for a lot of that he's a lot of that he's done. Uh, There's no question. His development is a lot faster than most goalies. Um, But, I mean, the fact remains, he hasn't even turned 23 yet. And when you look at Casey DeSmith, who's this sort of out-of-nowhere rookie type, Casey DeSmith is three years older than Matt Murray. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we, we forget that. And, and he's definitely going to have – and, when, you know, you talk about the off-ice stuff with his dad dying recently. Yeah, um, I mean, he's a 23-year-old you know, I mean, kid that just lost his dad. I mean, that just think about it that way. That's an incredible thing to deal with. It's heavy stuff, and, and it's, yeah. it's ups and downs. It's ups and downs more than – you know, he's got a lot of ups since he came up two years ago. But dealing with ups and downs is a different thing. So, you know, he's, look, he's, he's a big technical goalie. So he's going to be, you know, sort of less prone, I think, to wild swings of, of just, you know, momentum than other goalies are. He, he, but he does need to sort of make sure he's on his, on his angles and, and he has, you know, his, his technique and his fundamentals the way he wants them. That's what he's been working on for the last month, with more or less, the last month with Mike Buckley. And um, you know, when he has that stuff straightened out, you can he's he's more apt to consistency just because he is that style of goaltender. But like you said, a 22 year old going through some heavy real life stuff, I mean, ups and downs are to be expected. 
Jonathan Bomboli, uh, the guest here on the Adam Crowley Show. I'm Rob Rossi, in for Adam. Listen to ESPN Pittsburgh. Follow Jonathan at Bomboli Trib. Follow his work, triblive.com. Tribune Review, Penguins Beat Reporter. Jonathan, I am of the belief that as long as Jim Rutherford's the uh, general manager, he's going to want to have depth at two positions that betrayed him in Carolina. That would be goalie and defense. And because of that, I think the notion of them perhaps, not that I'm not sure anybody's really considering it, but for them perhaps packaging Jari as part of something to get something, and certainly moving an Ian Cole, I just can't see that happening in either case because we just saw last year, how many the last two years, how many goalies and how many defensemen you need to complete a playoff run. Not win, just well, a complete one. That's absolutely true. And I, the Jari thing, I, I never thought, I really don't think he's, I mean, you could go that direction. You got a young kid in the Gustafson kid who's coming up, and then you'd live with the Smith for now. And it, it could be done, but it seems like you're creating more problems for yourself than it's worth. Right. Um, Ian Cole's a different situation, though. I mean, you know, if, if Mike Sullivan decides Ian Cole's not in his top six, then you can get something for Ian Cole, a draft pick, and then you clear up a little bit of cap space for yourself. Okay. And then what you need to replace is a seventh or eighth D. We well, can get seventh or eighth D, you know, cheaper than what you're going to get in return for Ian Cole. So you could make your team better that way. But I happen to believe that Cole's one of the six best defensemen. And that in that case, I mean, look, let's look. Ian Cole's position is basically not, you know, get me the hell out of here. It's I want to play. Right. Um, so you know, if you keep him in your top six and he plays, and then you got a guy like Hunwick and Rui that allows your depth going into the playoffs, that's probably um, the best situation. If Sullivan doesn't want him in his top six, then I think you probably do move him. Um, just like I said, for all those reasons, you could probably get more, you know, for for, for Ian Cole than you than you'd have to give up to get another depth defenseman. But like you said, I mean, it's not like a it's not it's not an urgent thing. It's not like you know you have to act quickly on this. You could certainly flurry Ian Cole um, in the sense that you know they kept flurry around basically as insurance rather than trading him at the deadline and. You know, that turned out to be absolutely the right move. So if, if Rutherford's learning from recent history, um, you make a good case for keeping Ian Cole around. Jonathan, the last two years, Ian Cole was really good for them in the playoffs. And they played the Sullivan style. So is there something you haven't seen from Ian Cole when he's performed this year that you think might irk Sullivan particularly? Um, no, not, not particularly. I, I think I mean, what we're talking about here is... Um, it, it's entirely possible, and you, know, you talk to people that there's a personality conflict there, and that, that may be true. Um, I don't have any reason to doubt that it is true, but but I think the more important sort of angle is every time a coach makes out his lineup, he's picking the six guys he likes best for whatever reason. Right. So you know, I mean, that's the case at every position every night. So I don't think it's that unusual to say, like, I don't think it's a it's a some sort of malfeasance of your coaching responsibilities to say, you know what, I like, I like Humlick over Cole. I mean, it's not an opinion I share, um, but it's not like it's some kind of outrageous, you know, act of treason. Um, and Hunwick is a guy who skates a little better and then plays a little more up-tempo. Um, and then Sullivan does tend to favor that out of his defenseman. I mean, you look right. at what Ian Cole does well, and it's, you know, block shots and play that gritty style. And if Sullivan's all gung-ho on possession and getting out of your B-zone as fast as possible, and, and not just as fast as possible, but, like, you know, not just kind of playing it off the glass and getting the hell out of the D-zone, but getting out of the D-zone with control, yeah. controlled zone exits, 
I got like Hunwick does that better than Cole. So like I said, while I don't agree with it, I can sort of see the rationale for it. A guy like Hunwick is more mobile and he plays more of that possession-style defense than Ian Cole does. Ian Cole does more of a traditional sort of, um, you know, shot-blocking, um, play man, you know, play your man. It's more of a traditional style of defense. So, you know, it, it, you, could, you could go either way with it. Jonathan Bomboli, my guest here. Follow him at Bomboli Trib on the Twitter machine. Check out his uh, coverage of the Penguins for the Tribune Review at TribLive.com. Jonathan, you know, you began this segment talking about a story that was kind of going under the radar when we were talking about Matt Murray. Another one, and I'm curious, you're around that team every day, you would see this. Uh, I don't know if it was a story, but it strikes me as a possibility when you lose two veteran coaches, or when you lose veteran coaches from your staff, and they're replaced with guys who haven't really done the full-time coaching job at the NHL level, like uh, Mark Recchi and Sergei Gonchar have, strikes me they're as great as they were as players, and as uh, much wisdom as they can pass on, there's still a learning curve. And I do wonder if if you're seeing examples of that play out, and if you if you think this is a coaching staff that's getting uh, more comfortable uh, with one another, as uh, especially recently when the Penguins started playing better? You know, I, I mean, there could be something to that. But with this particular coaching staff, um, I wasn't too keen on the idea that the changes with assistant coaches with Rick Hockett leaving um, would make a big difference. And the reason for that is this is Sullivan's show. Right. I mean, he's a, he's a very strong personality. You know, I mean, he he, lets, he he he's careful to to get input from all his coaches, no doubt. Um, and he he'll mention that all the time about how you know it's a team effort. Now, let Jacques Martin and Mark Recchi run a lot of practice, um, run a lot of drills and things like that. But there is absolutely no question who is in charge. Um, and to me, you know, that that sort of renders the discussion about assistant coaching. You know, is, do they miss Rick Tockett? That sort of thing. It sort of renders it a little bit less important. Well, Jonathan, let me let me ask you this though. Rick Tockett was a guy who obviously grew very comfortable. Uh, coaches, when they're around each other for a long time, when they go through things like winning a Stanley Cup, they almost develop a shorthand. You know, a language twins understand. And I just wonder if it does take time for guys like Recky and Gonchar to even grow into that comfort of sort of knowing how to answer Sullivan in a way that is productive. It's possible. I mean, yeah. I think Recky and Gonchar, in their particular areas of expertise, like in terms of dealing one-on-one with defensemen and forwards, um, I think they're very effective already. Gonchar really? especially. I mean, obviously, we've seen that. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's practically a defenseman whisperer. Um, <laughs> but, but the thing I think is interesting about Tockett is um, he was going to uh, – Phil Kessel was supposed to fall apart without Yeah, Tockett, right? funny how that worked. <laughs> he's having his best season. And not only that, he's back-checking hard all the time. So I mean, you know, I don't want I don't want to, you know, throw cold water on the whole thing and, and say the assistant coaches aren't important. But this is solid. No, that, that's okay. I'm 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 Oscar. I just won the Royal Rumble, and you're you're Ronda Rousing me. I get it. I appreciate. <laughs> I'm it. big footing your big footing your concept. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jonathan Mabole, my guest here on the Adam Crowley Show uh, here on ESPN Pittsburgh. Last question for you, Jonathan. You and I were talking about this at the morning skate. I'm going to bring it up again so the listeners can hear. I have this theory, and this is my theory. I'm not saying they're going to win the Stanley Cup again, but there is a part of me that thinks this division and conference had a chance to put their throat on the Pittsburgh Penguins and may live to regret not doing it. 
That's not an outrageous statement at all. I mean, if you just looked at this team from the beginning of January, which, you know, I mean, you're building throughout the course of a season. You should probably value the most recent results the most. Um, there, you know, there's nobody that's going to want to play them in the playoffs. That's for sure. I don't know that there's anybody you'd make a, a prohibitive favorite over them in a seven game series, maybe a slight no. favorite for Tampa Bay or something, but they, they still need to shore up that center position. I mean, I know we've been talking about that for six months. <laughs> still need to go get a guy there, but they don't need a major over no. or anything. They need to get the best, best center they can get, um, and then get in the playoffs where nobody's going to want to play them. Right. It's going to be a fascinating final few months, Jonathan. I'm sure you're looking forward to covering it for the trip. Thanks, as always. We'll see you at the arena tonight. That's Jonathan Bomboli of the Tribune Review. Follow him at Bomboli Trib. Come down here for 350 draft Bud Lights, $4 aluminum pints of Bud Light, only at Terrace on 5th. Come down here right now and catch the rest of the Adam Crowley Show. I'm Rob Rossi filling in for Adam. We'll be back here on ESPN Pittsburgh. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good to see you. we got some people walking through the door here at Terrace on the 5th getting ready. We're about uh, 90 minutes from, uh, a little, little more than 90 minutes from the opening face-off. First game of the official, unofficial I guess it is, second half of the season. Penguins-Sharks tonight from PPG Paints Arena. Look, before you head over there, head over here. Terrace on the 5th, we got you for $4 aluminum pints of Bud Light, $3.50 I'll get you a draft of Bud Light I don't know why you wouldn't just stay here and watch the game, to be perfectly honest it's uh, it's a very nice venue they've got great food, they've got these Bud Light drink specials, um, a wonderful staff, and quite frankly it's going to be a lot colder in that arena there's ice Jeez. anyway, this is the Adam Crowley show uh, on ESPN Pittsburgh, I'm Rob Rossi filling in for Adam you know me from Trib Live and 535 Media. You can follow me on Twitter, at Real underscore Rob Rossi. And look, we haven't taken any calls yet, partly because I've been yammering on so much. Yak, 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 yak. Ever tell you about the story one day, Malkin, uh, early in our early in our flowering partnership? Uh, he told me, You'll, you, Rossi, talk too much. Yak, yak, yak. <laughs> he said that in front of my friend Justin Labar, who's going to join us in the next hour. Uh... And uh, I told the story, and it always got a big chuckle at Christmas parties. So uh, call us, is what I'm saying. 412-922-2874. 412-922-2874 gets you in on the Adam Crowley Show. We're wishing Adam the best. He's ill. And by ill, I mean he's uh, trying to figure out a way to get out of the country so he doesn't have to get his navel pierced. Uh, yes, Adam Crowley's getting his navel pierced tomorrow. I would be curious if anybody at Terrace on the 5th right now would explain to me why any man would make a bet in the winter that he can pull off a six-pack within like a month. That just seems like a fool's bet. Okay? Now, I know we live in a world where you can't rule anything out anymore. I mean, you know, what would you have? A few weeks removed from, you know, people in Hawaii thinking we were under attack. So, like, a lot of strange stuff happens, right? But the thought of a man saying, I'm going to have a six-pack in a month in the dead of winter, right in the middle of post-holiday cookie season, right in the middle of a winter where you need to be drinking a lot of adult soda pops so that you can stay warm on these cold January nights, foolishness, utter, complete foolishness. I thought I raised Adam better than this. Apparently I didn't. 
But again, if you want to call in, 412-922-2874 is the number here on ESPN Pittsburgh. We're with you till 7 o'clock. So, I thought about this the other day, and I do want to know what you guys think about this. We received word that the Cleveland Indians are no longer going to uh, put Chief Wahoo on their uh, jerseys. Here's the interesting thing about that that I don't think a lot of people have picked up on. They're still going to keep the logo. Now, they're removing them from their jerseys and their caps, right? But they're still going to sell some Chief Wahoo merchandise. And you might be thinking, like, uh, this is shady. Actually, there's a reason for this. They have to keep that logo and put it on some merchandise so that they and Major League Baseball retain the rights to it. Now, why would they want to retain the rights to it? Now, some more noble people out there might think it was because they don't want it getting into the wrong hands and being misused. But, I mean, let's face it, this is Major League Baseball, where things have been getting into the wrong hands for, like, ever. Okay? Do you think it might be because they're banking on, like, 25 years from now, bringing back the, the Chief Yahoo, Yahoo, Chief Yahoo logo? It will be a Chief Yahoo logo at that point. Um... Uh, might be more offensive, too. But th- they might be bringing back the Chief Wahoo logo at some point in a grander way, maybe a more politically correct logo. I don't want to seem too cynical, but it seems to me that that's why you keep a logo, right? You don't keep a logo to keep it out of nefarious hands. Like, what? what's it like, you know, the Ung regime is going to suddenly buy the rights to the Chief Yahoo logo and plant it on a flag when they're bombing people? Like, I don't think that's what we're worried about here, right? I don't think we're worried about the, like, the Chief Wahoo logo falling into some corporate hands and suddenly, you know, Apple replacing the iconic Apple logo with Chief Wahoo. Actually, that'd be kind of an interesting stance for Yahoo, for Apple. Like, I keep, I keep wanting to call it Yahoo. I don't know why. It's Chief Wahoo, not Yahoo. Anyway. Wouldn't that be awesome, though, if Chief Wahoo replaced the Apple logo and all the people that hate Apple products actually had another reason to hate Apple? That'd be kind of cool, actually. But the Chief Wahoo logo is still going to be owned by the Cleveland Indians, and you're still going to be able to buy merchandise. Now, a lot of people have said, well, this means the Washington Redskins are definitely going to get rid of the Redskins name. It Look, the Steelers will start playing with helmets that have decals on both sides before the Redskins give up that name under Daniel Snyder, okay? He has stuck his flag in that ground. In fact, I would dare say that the only threat of the Chief Wahoo logo falling into nefarious hands is if the Cleveland Indians completely rid themselves of that logo do not sell any merchandise, renounce the rights to it, and then Daniel Snyder buys them and somehow incorporates it into the Washington Redskins. He may just double down. Like, I don't care, they're the Redskins, and he might, he might just buy, like, every Native American-themed thing and just say, like, I can do whatever I want because I'm a billionaire. And Roger Goodell's going to be like, well, yeah, we're going to let him do whatever he wants because he's a billionaire. So that's the only chance, I think, of this really going south on the the Cleveland Indians. But it's nice to know if you go to a Cleveland Indians game, which I imagine a lot of us are going to start doing because, well, 
It's the closest Major League Baseball option we have in town. We're still going to be able to buy the Chief Wahoo merchandise. For all of us out there that needed to make sure we could still get that. Just won't be on a Cleveland Indians hat or official jersey. What if they what if they like put it on the jersey that they wear underneath? Would that be breaking some sort of law? I don't know. We worry so much about stupid things. Said the man who last segment asked Jonathan Mboli of the Trib how he felt about the Hartford Whalers possibly being represented by a throwback Carolina Hurricanes jersey. But here's the thing. Of all the things I've heard over the past three years about making America great again, the return of a Whaler jersey and the possible return of the Brass Bonanza song actually is that. I don't see anybody that would be against that. I mean, the Brass Bonanza song... Joe, I'm giving you an... uh, I'm making a request over the air. Joe's last day, by the way, producing this show, so we wish Joe well. It's nice of Adam to show up for your last day, by the way. Jerk. Anyway, Joe, can we find the Brass Bonanza song and play it before the end of the show? Because I'm very excited about this. And look, anybody that knows me will tell you, I don't like anything. Like, my friends do this all the time. It's like a joke. Can we get up to, like, ten things that Rossi likes? And we usually get stuck at about seven. And that's if we're breaking apart, like, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, not just the Rolling Stones. Like, we have to... But that Brass Bonanza thing, that's going to mean a lot. And those Hartford Whaler, now I hope we're talking about the non-Dallas Cowboy Hartford Whaler jerseys. Remember that at the end of the Hartford Whalers run, they kind of went to that, like, blue with the silver and the... Uh, we're talking about, like, the old green. I'm guessing they're green. I'm colorblind, but they, I was always told they were green. The old green jerseys, the Ronnie Francis jerseys. That's what the Hurricanes should be doing. In fact, why don't they just become the Carolina Whalers? Wouldn't that be better? Just make that happen. Brass Bonanza is the greatest hockey song of all time. Brass Bonanza is to hockey songs what Slapshot is to hockey movies, except Brass Bonanza will not bleed your ears like Slapshot will bleed your eyes. Because Slapshot is the worst movie ever about sports. And that includes the one where I think the guy from Friends was pitching to a monkey or something in the 90s. Like, there was, like, an actual monkey. There was a picture of a baseball team that the guy, Joey from Friends was on. I don't know what the name of the movie was. Most Valuable Primate. Most Valuable Primate. Gosh. I would watch that over Slapshot. I do not like Slapshot. But Brass Bonanza, excellence. How great was it last week at the Penguins uh, throwback game, by the way, the 80s turn-back-the-clock game where they played the uh, Boys of Winter theme? I mean, it sounded good, not like that, but that's a great song. Penguin should still come out to that. That's an awesome song. Anyway, where do you stand on this important driving issue of the day, the Brass Bonanza return? 412-922-2874 here on ESPN Pittsburgh. I'm Rob Rossi in for Adam Crowley. This is the Adam Crowley Show. We are coming to you from Paris on the 5th. Big game for the Penguins tonight. If we're going to go back to a little bit more serious material here. Penguins are playing really well going into the break, as Jonathan Bomboli from the Trib said last segment. If you look at their recent results, and by the way, why wouldn't we? The Penguins starting to possess the puck a lot, starting to look a lot more like the 2016 playoff Penguins than even the team from last year. And I think a big reason for that is 
the Penguins are finally healthy. They had a lot of guys out. I think we take for granted how many guys they had out. Take for granted how much bad luck they were getting, too. If you look at a lot of these advanced metrics, which I would explain to you if I could, but I can't, so I won't. Sidney Crosby's line has pretty much dominated at 5-on-5 this year. They just haven't had any good luck. Now they are having good luck, and you're seeing what's happening. So, But the San Jose Sharks, Western Conference foe, coming into Pittsburgh. First home game back after a long road trip is usually tough. So what's the first home game back after a significant break of the All-Star break? Penguins played well enough to position themselves to be back in the playoff chase. But you don't want to slip up here out of the gate, especially when you've got two big games coming up. Friday night against the Washington Capitals, Saturday night at the New Jersey Devils, a team they are chasing, and a team that is chasing them. I don't want to say this is a trap game because the Penguins are coming out of the break, but it might be. Matt Murray's going to be in net. Matt Murray has done so much, but think about this, and we'll get back into this next segment. I don't want to harp too much on it because it's a personal matter, but if you're lucky enough to still have your father alive, as am I, can you imagine losing your father at 23? It's an awfully young age. To lose your father suddenly, relatively suddenly, as Matt Murray did, and then have to go back and be playing in the National Hockey League as a number one goalie, that's an awfully tough task. But you wonder if for Matt Murray... This will be sort of the salve he needs for his wounds, getting back in the net as the number one goalie and just getting back to doing what comes naturally to him, which is playing hockey. I certainly hope so, because Matt's a great guy, a great kid, and not for the sake of the Penguins, but for him, I want him to find some peace. And if that can just be playing 60 minutes of hockey, you know, regularly for the Penguins, I think that'd be a pretty, uh, pretty good thing to have happen. All right. We are coming to you live from Terrace on the 5th. Again, $4 aluminum pints of Bud Light, $3.50 drafts of Bud Light. The phone number to call is 412-922-2874. Get down here. Get ready for the Penguin game. Big crowd coming in. This is the Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Wow. I mean, I don't know how possibly he still keeps his job, to be perfectly honest with you. But uh, I wish him the best. I know he's feeling sick, but uh, it, it's actually puzzling to me that they haven't just called me one morning and said, look, Rousey, uh, I know you're friends, but you're going to have to job Crowley out here and uh, you take over this slot. And I'd be like, come on, man. I, I don't like to work. I don't like to do things. I've done all my heavy lifting. I just want to coast. All right, so here's the deal. you got to get down to Terrace on the 5th right now, and I say that because I think there's one table left. Uh, this place has packed itself. Well, it hasn't packed itself. That would be impossible because it's a place and it can't take an action. But this place has become packed over the past half hour. And they've got great drink specials. They got $4 aluminum pints of Bud Light. I believe a gentleman in a Phil Kessel jersey right in front of me is drinking one of those. So get one of those. They also have $3.50 drafts of Bud Light. And I see a lot of people drinking those. Most of them look like they're cheering for the Penguins. That or a lot of people called each other this morning and had a very weird conversation. Either way, I'm cool with it. But get down here to Terrace on the 5th. 
We're here till 7 o'clock. By the way, after this show, the Adam Crowley Show without Adam Crowley, and in Adam Crowley's place, the esteemable Rob Rossi, who just created a word, esteemable. After this show on ESPN Pittsburgh, we are going to have... <gasps> okay, big breath. The Derek Scully Coaches Show from the hangar with Mike Pursuta. Boy, that was going to be a tough one. I mean, I'd go to see Derek talk from the hangar, but the pursuit of parts. Mike, what do you think about Michigan State these days? Anyway, if you want to call in, 412-922-2874. Penguins and Sharks tonight at 7 o'clock. And I know what everybody's thinking. Please, please go to overtime. Please, please have a long shootout. Don't give me a reason to have to watch the State of the Union address. There has never been a State of the Union address that anybody's ever wanted to watch. Ever. Doesn't matter who you like as president, nobody likes them. The only thing worse than watching the State of the Union address is if you get invited by the president. I always feel bad for those people. Those are the people that have it really tough. Look up here in this terrible seat sitting next to my wife is this stranger whose story I'm now exposing to all of America. And we're going to pan in on this poor person who's never been on television before and suddenly make them a star so that all the television shows in the morning are going to repeatedly show this. Like, I've always felt bad for these people. There has never been Americans exploited more than the ones that are forced to come to the State of the Union address by the President of the United States. Think about this. What do you do? Tom, we're going to role play here because I know that's what everybody wants to hear. I'm the President of the United States. Any President. Tom, I've heard this story, how your friend Adam Crowley succumbed to a terrible infection after getting a navel piercing, after losing a bet, and I would like to invite you to my State of the Union address and have you sit with my wife in the very top row of a dusty cabin, and there I would like to point you out to millions and millions of people as a cautionary tale against having friends. I'm in. Because you can't say no, because I'm the president. Like, let's play this out. Your answer is no. Tom, please, or please join me so we can say friends are not something people should have. No. I will put you in prison for the rest of your life and come after the assets of all of your family. And those friends will be begging for their existence. All right, I'm in. See? This is what happens. We find a couple of San Jose Shark fans just walked in here to the Terrace of the So I always feel bad for those people. But don't worry. I have found a solution to your woe. When the Penguins blow out the Sharks tonight in their 6-2 to victory, and you have nothing to turn to except the State of the Union address, what if during the State of the Union, instead of every time the President says something people like, they stand up and clap, they had... This song playing. Seriously, think about this. If this song was playing every time the president said something, like how often have we heard this over the years? Whether the president was Barack Obama or Donald Trump or... George Bush or Bill Clinton. Like the president will come out and be like, 
And tonight, I promise you that no child will be left behind and no American will pay more taxes than they have already had. And everybody will learn how to properly fold a fitted sheet. And everybody's like, yeah, except the people that are against the president, they just stand there. But you heard the, the brass bonanza. It would be a pretty damn cool State of the Union, right? And when they went, like, and here joining me tonight is Tom from Pittsburgh, whose friend died tragically after he had an infection in his body due to a navel piercing gone wrong. A navel piercing that was the result, mind you, my fellow Americans, of a deep, deep gambling problem. His foolish friend was so stricken by the gambling disease that he made a bet that he could have a six-pack ah, his abdomen in the middle of winter. And I brought Tom here today against his will because he is going to help me show Americans that friendship is bad and you are better off sitting at your home alone. And then everybody stands up, yeah! But instead of standing up and cheering, we're listening to this song. That would be cool. And what if, instead of wearing suits, the Republicans all wore, the party in power, in this case the Republicans all wore Hartford Whaler jerseys. And the Democrats all wore Carolina Hurricane jerseys. Now I know what you're saying, Rob. This is America where most of the people have never heard of the Hartford Whalers or Carolina Hurricanes. And that's true. But we could still have fun. And it would be a better union. It would be, dare I say, a blessed union. If a party wearing Hartford Whaler jerseys and a party wearing Carolina Hurricane jerseys could fill that chamber and where the hostages, who are also known as guests of the president, stuck up there with his family. Like, the only people that have it worse are the vice president and the speaker of the house who have to sit behind them and can never take a drink of water because the camera's always on them. Like, you can only take a sip of water when the president is taking a sip of water. Have you ever noticed? There's like a skill to this. Like, the president can't be seen needing water because most people speak for 90 minutes without taking a drink. Like, seriously, like, why do people get mad when the president takes a drink? Is he not human? Does he not thirst? I'm just asking. Because, you know, like, near as I can tell, everybody has been thirsty when speaking over and over. Especially when they stand up and give you a nine-minute ovation every time you say something that isn't true. Coaches can take sips of water. You know what, actually, what I'd like to see? I'd like to see... After the Patriots win their sixth Super Bowl, I'd like to see Donald Trump invite Bill Belichick to give the State of the Union next year. That would be something pretty special. Our State of the Union is that we're on to tomorrow. Everybody just stops. We got that brass bonanza again. Imagine this. Next year, 2000 and, what would we be, 18? 
19, 19. We're already in 2018. Good grief. 2019, Bill Belichick is designated by President Trump to give the State of the Union. He says our State of the Union is, is that we're on to tomorrow. And then you hear. See, it works. Everybody would love Belichick. He could have a Hartford Whalers hoodie. That'd be awesome. All right. Maybe maybe that's enough brass bananas. Although, is there ever enough brass bananas? Right. There's never enough brass bananas. I wish the crowd here at Terrace on the 5th could hear this show being broadcast over the speakers because we've basically devoted a whole segment to a cockamamie concept just to play Brass Bonanza. All because I read a report about 30 minutes ago that the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes is going to allow the Hurricanes to wear throwback jerseys that are the Hartford Whalers jerseys. And I say this should bring back the Brass Bonanza. Let me tell you, this Brass Bonanza is so powerful, it is such a potent weapon, that it might be the only thing that can prevent the Penguins not only from winning the Stanley Cup a third time, but a fourth time. Only the Brass Bonanza can dethrone the Patriots in their dynasty. Only the Brass Bonanza can fix our crumbling infrastructure. Only the Brass Bonanza can take a granola bar, dip it in chocolate, not that dark chocolate, I'm talking fatty milk chocolate, and make it healthy. The Brass Bonanza's power is unlimited. It's brass and bonanza. Think about that. Not just bonanza, but brass bonanza. We're not talking nickel bonanza. We're not talking copper bonanza. None of this silver bonanza. None of this multicolored bonanza. Not clay bonanza. Not digital bonanza. Brass bonanza. It somehow mixes the 60s, 70s, and 80s into its theme. Got a little bit of a 80s mix with a 70s cheese. This should have been our cheese for the 15 seconds, just the Brass Bonanza. I love the Brass Bonanza. And anybody that doesn't is wrong. I'm sorry. I know they say in this country everybody deserves to have an opinion. That's incorrect. If you are not pro-Brass Bonanza, you are wrong. In fact, if you are pro-Bass Bonanza, you are wrong. But Brass Bonanza, I'm in favor of. Can I hear it one more time before we just kill it for the rest of the show? Can we just play the out? All right. There we go. The Brass Bonanza. I'm sorry. It's just the greatest hockey song of all time. And if you're listening to the State of Union tonight and you just want to gouge your eyes out and stick like giant, you know, branches into your ears because you're just sick of politics, just remember, I will repost this segment on my Facebook page so you can just hear the wonderful... The Miraculous Brass Bonanza. And that is brought to you by the Adam Crowley Show here on ESPN Pittsburgh.